Welcome to the sermon podcast of First Church of Christ, where our goal is to lead generations into a life-changing, ever-growing relationship with Jesus Christ. We pray that you are encouraged and challenged by today's message. Good morning, church. Relationships are hard. You know, we, we've all experienced this. We all come to relationships, no matter if they're friendships or family or whatever it is, we bring certain things with us. Uh, we, we eventually show, over time, we show our true selves, and sometimes our true selves and their true selves just don't don't match. They don't mingle uh, very well. Some of us, we bring together with us expectations, and those are different expectations than they bring with them to the relationship. And many of you, I'm sure, would resonate with me, and, and you would say what I would say, and that is relationships, like other people, have been one of the greatest sources of pain in my life. And so it makes relationships hard because you've been through moments where someone was uh, close to you and then they just left or they hurt you and they talked back, talked bad about you behind your back and they gossiped about you and they abandoned you or they were mean to you. And like relationships are hard. We all probably come with ourselves, with those relationships, with a, a garbage bag full of trust issues. Relationships, they're difficult. Maybe some of you, you find yourself in a spot where you, you uh, are struggling with relationships. You're struggling with a certain relationship or you're struggling to find uh, an amount of community that feels good, that feels right. And, you know, that's the thing about relationships. Um, they can be hard when you're in them and, and they can be really hard when you don't have any. Um, in fact, the, the U.S. Surgeon General has um, looked at our, our society as a whole and our country as a whole and has declared uh, basically a state of emergency for our nation because of what they're calling the loneliness epidemic, that less and less people are spending time with people in, in person. Um, in fact, what they point to is that the effects of social isolation are the same effects on your body and on your mind and on your health as smoking 15 cigarettes a day. The same amount. Like if you find yourself isolated and socially just lonely, then, then that's not good for you. God made you to be in community. In fact, um, I, was, this, I found this interesting. There was a researcher doing research, because that's what researchers do, and they found that uh, we made the top ten, the state of Indiana, on the loneliest states in America. Yay! Top ten. Mm, amen. Number eight. Um, and if you're like someone, well, how did they do the research, Brandon? Uh, well, they, they did a number of things, a number of factors. Um, one of them was like those... Take looking at the numbers of those who live alone, those uh, the divorce rate in the state, um, as well as the amount of searches on dating sites and a couple of other dynamics. But they found that the state of Indiana is one of the loneliest states in America, and and so maybe you find yourself uh, struggling with loneliness, and you've not really talked about it with anyone because that would be uh, you know hard because you don't have anyone to talk to. About it, but here's the thing that I want to press in on each and every one of us because I do believe that living in community comes down to, at the very, very base level, comes down to a choice. Because relationships require intentionality. They require time. They require attention. They require a reprioritization of our lives if we're going to be in community with other people. And, and here's what I believe the scriptures teach. 
And we're going to look at this today. Um, I believe it shows you and shows me that you cannot live the life God has meant for you to live without living alongside others in community. That you cannot, you literally cannot live the life God has meant for you to live without living alongside of others in community. Like we talked about last week, if you were with us or you watched it um, or listened, that, that God didn't, Jesus didn't come just to save us and say, hey, peace out. Um, when you said yes to Jesus, you weren't just saying yes to Jesus. You were saying yes to a community of faith. You were saying yes to uh, what Jesus invites you to. And that is when you surrender to Jesus, he doesn't just save you. He adopts you into the family of God. And so now you have brothers and sisters from different mothers, but y'all got the same father, the same heavenly father. And we get to live life together and I'll admit it, right? And you, you know this, uh, living in community doesn't mean that life gets easier. In fact, it could make it harder. Following Jesus doesn't make life easier, but it does make life better. It does make life better because we're better Together. So if you have your Bible, uh, you can go ahead and turn to the book of Acts, Acts chapter 2. But before we get that, I want to lay out the groundwork, kind of the, the context. So when Jesus came onto earth, right, God the Son comes down, puts on flesh to dwell among us, an amazing thing. He reaches the age of 30 and then begins his, his earthly ministry. And he goes around proclaiming the, the good news that repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. So turn away from wherever you've been going or whatever you've been doing and follow me because he proclaimed himself to be the king, the promised anointed one, the Messiah, the Christ. And so Jesus does that. But as he goes and teaches people and heals people and ministers to people, he invites, eventually invites 12 men to follow him in this unique relationship, they become apostles. And so Jesus calls these men, these are men from all walks of life. He's got Matthew the tax collector on one end and Simon the zealot on the other end from a political spectrum. Um, you got fishermen, you got people without any kind of education. And Jesus calls these men to follow him and they are the apostles. And so Jesus walks around teaching and living among these men in a very close way. Like they were with each other quite often. Um, and so Jesus does ministry, not just with the 12, but he goes around and he preaches to crowds because crowds come because he's doing miracles and people want to see what's going to go on. And they want to hear him teach because he taught with one as one with authority, not with like the scribes and the other religious leaders of the day. And so the crowds came to Jesus and he preached to them and, and ministered to them. And then we have the disciples. So these are people who are following after Jesus, but they weren't a part of the 12. And uh, we see this like in the in the Gospels where Jesus sends out the 72. He, he sent them two by two. So they paired up and they go. They went to all the towns in Israel to proclaim the good news, the same news that Jesus had been telling, but about him and, and healing people and serving them. And so we see the disciples are part of that. So uh, And then he's got the 12. But even within the 12 of the apostles, Jesus has a closer relationship with Peter, James, and John, the three. And uh, so much so that John, when he's writing the Gospel of John, he, he kind of got a little bit like kind of self-absorbed in this because he referred to himself throughout the Gospel um, in the third person, the one whom Jesus loved. Jesus is beloved. That's how he referred to himself. You know, he's got, maybe he's got boundary issues. We don't know, you know. Um, that was a joke. Anyway, um, so Jesus is ministering to people in relationship. 
So we can't miss that Jesus, when he's calling people to follow him, he, he brings them into these relational environments. And so it shouldn't be a surprise that when Jesus ascends to the throne in heaven, has told the, the apostles to, that they're going to be his witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, and then go, Peter goes and preaches the gospel for the very first time to the, the masses upon Jesus ascending to the throne in heaven, calls them uh, to repent, um, we see something happening with those believers that really shouldn't at all surprise us. Acts chapter 2, verse 37, Luke records this. When they heard this, they were pierced to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what should we do? Peter had just told them that the promised one that you had been waiting for was Jesus, whom you crucified. Um, you need to surrender to him. And so they're like, what should we do? How do we surrender? He says, repent um, in verse 38, Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, each of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children, and for all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he testified and strongly urged them, saying, Be saved from this corrupt generation. So those who accepted his message were baptized, and that day about 3,000 people were added to them. So they go from being about 100, 120 people. Peter preaches a sermon, like one sermon. 3,000 people come to Jesus. Far better preacher than me, right? Um, and so they surrender to Jesus, and then uh, instantly it becomes a mega church. So 3,000 people are now all following Jesus as Christians. So what do we see happening? Well, what do they do? How do they, how do they live among each other in this newfound faith? Verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles. Now, all the believers were together and held all things in common. They sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds to all as any had need. Every day, they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple. Y'all thought it was a little bit extreme to come to church every Sunday. They were going to church. They were going to the temple every day. And they broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people every day. Every day, the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. So Jesus teaches them and shows them this is how we do this faith thing, right? They ministers to the crowds, and then what do they do? They, they go and gather in the temple as a people, as a group, and then uh, they, they meet from house to house. Now, I don't know about you, but I know the first century typical houses in the ancient Near East. And not 3,000 people wouldn't be able to fit in those houses. So they met from house to house. Well, where did they meet? They met from houses to houses. So they were, it was like a network of, of gatherings, of ecclesias, of, of churches in the, the, the town and the country of Israel. And so they said yes to Jesus, but then they started to gather together in the temple and from house to house. What did they do when they did that? They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. They, they practiced generosity together. And then also, they shared their faith with others because the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. So Jesus, from, from starting out in his ministry in Galilee, he calls 12 men, and they are, they are basically an outward-focused small group where they are learning from Jesus 
and then they are proclaiming the good news of Jesus. And, and here's the thing. When we said yes to Jesus, we didn't just say yes to Jesus. We also said yes to the church, yeah, said yes to his body, said yes to the other believers in Christ. And that is what we see from the very beginning. And here's why. You were meant for community. You were made for community. We're better together. You were made for this. Like, when I, what do I mean by that? You were made to be loved. You were made to love. You were made to be cared for. You were made to care for others. This is what it means to be human. This is what it means to follow Jesus. Jesus calls us to be in a new community, in a new faith family when he calls us to follow him. So they, they devoted themselves to connectedness and mission. That's what we see them doing. They were, they were connecting together. They prioritized their relationships with the other believers. And they prioritize mission because the Lord added to their number those who are being saved and faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of Christ. So they had to have been sharing with people about the good news that they had encountered. And here's the cool thing. Like they, they knew what professional athletes know. If, if you're a professional athlete, which uh, none of us are, um, you know, what, what they do, like they'll just take for football, for instance, right? You've got different positions that you play. And if you're a professional athlete, you are at the top uh, pinnacle, 1% of the 1% of the 1% at your sport. That is why you get paid all the money that you do. And we watch you because it's amazing and awesome to be able to do those things, whether you're a football fan or not. Like these people are athletes that are gifted, right? But even as much as they are gifted, as much as they are talented, they, they still need coaches. Have you ever noticed that about team sports? That even for professional athletes, they even still have coaches. They don't just go out there on their own, but they have position coaches, they have coordinators, they have uh, a head coach, they have a, a number of other coaches, they have strength and conditioning coaches, they've got, some of them hire their own personal coach to work with them on the off season, some of them hire their own personal chefs because they got money for that, and who, who wouldn't say no to a personal chef if we could afford it, right? Amen? That'd be awesome. Um, but they know that they're better when they've got others around them because they would not be able to reach their potential without the help of other people. And that is the same that is true for us as we follow Jesus. You could try to follow Jesus on your own, and many have tried, but you will be missing out on one of the fundamental things that you're called to do as a follower of Jesus. And that is to relate to others. The, one day, a Pharisee, uh, someone asked Jesus, hey, what's the most important command in all of the law, in all of the Old Testament? And Jesus answered him and said, it is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And then, because Jesus is Jesus, he gave him a second command, a number two command. Hello, number two. You know, like, okay, some of you got that. Um, Number two, that was the joke that Taylor referred to that some of you might not get. It's fine. Um, so uh, the second command is like it. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. In fact, in the book of First John, John tell, tells us, whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. 
So like in order to follow Jesus, you must love other people. In fact, the way that Jesus told his disciples, the way that people will know that you are my disciples is the, is by the way you love other people. So if you want to say you follow Jesus, but you are not loving other people, and in order to love other people, you got to be in relationship with other people, um, you're, you're missing out on the fundamental call of a follower of Christ, and that is to love people. See, again, community is something that you must choose to be a part of. And I, I know, like, can we all admit that making friends as adults is weird, can we all admit that? It's just weird, right? It's just, I mean, it is for me. Um, but but that we still have to choose it. We still have to be intentional about it. We still have to prioritize it. And here at FCC, like we thought, okay, we see what Jesus did. We, we hear what he said. And why don't we structure our ministry around what Jesus did in addition to what he said? So what did Jesus do? What did the early church do? He ministered to the crowd. He ministered to the disciples. What did the early church do? They gathered in the temple. So for us, that's like Sunday morning. We gather together, the ecclesia. We, we meet in the temple or we meet in a, a church building or whatever. Like that's what we do. We worship our Lord and King together. But then Jesus didn't just do that, right? He spent the majority of his time with a group of 12 and, and then what, what do we see the early church do? They met from house to house. So for us, we're like, well, we, that sounds like a good idea because Jesus did it. And if Jesus did it, it means like that's a good thing to do. Amen. And so we call them community groups. And these are, these are environments that we meet in, uh, you know, throughout the, the, the county where we can gather together and we can enter into relationships that are deeper that are far more um, transparent than what you'll get on a Sunday morning as you pass each other in the hallway and, hey, how are you? Good, of course, you know. Um, but, but we get to be able to be in this intimate environment where we get to follow Jesus together and where we have a community where they're praying for us and meeting us when we have life happen because life happens. And is it perfect? No. Is it messy? Yes. Why? Because it's us. It's our, we're people. And we come with a little bit of mess and all those things that we bring to relationships with, all our garbage bag full of trust issues, all of that stuff is true. But what we see happening over time is that relationships grow deeper. And, and we, we know that in a, in a church that if everybody showed up on, on the same day, it'd be around 300 people or 300, over, over 300 people. Um, not everyone can be best friends with everyone. That's just not practical. That's not even humanly possible. And that was true for the early church too. Like not every 3,000 person, you know, the, the, the 3,000th person, person isn't going to be besties with 2,999 other people. It's just not practical. But they met from house to house. We, we don't have a goal for everyone to be, you know, fully known by everyone, but we want to make sure that everyone is known by someone. And that is what community groups are all about. But, and, and they're worth it, but you don't have to take my word for it. Watch this. Uh, so why, why do we lead a community group? Well, um, you know, years ago, um, we, were, we had started to pursue God a little bit more in our lives on a deeper level. And, uh, and God continued to provide opportunities for us to say yes to things. 
And uh, one of the things that we said yes to was that there was a need for community group leaders, and, and we said yes. It's uh, challenging, but yet rewarding. Uh, the challenge kind of comes at, as being prepared for a meeting time. Uh, the rewarding time is seeing people grow. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it's pretty cool. We love our community group. I mean, life can be hard at times, and it's just fabulous to have people come alongside of you and, and you know that are praying for you and caring for you. And we're just there to comfort each other and love each other. It's just such a special experience that you don't have time on Sunday morning. We've seen friendships really take off by just being able to gather and be in the same place and get to know each other in ways that they wouldn't have just based off of Sunday morning interactions. Mm -hmm. They're connecting just from existing mm -hmm. in the same community group. Yeah, well, there's a lot of power when you get out of the rows and into a circle. I, my, my personality doesn't lend well to be a leader. I mean, I'm, I'm introverted. Uh, I would just soon stay home, but <laughs> I, I feel this drive in me to help lead this group and be involved with them because when I do, then I think, yeah, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Like introverts are given the opportunity, I feel like, to shine their personalities that they wouldn't mm -hmm. normally see in a large church mm -hmm. setting where they get to be more of who they are and feel loved and accepted mm -hmm. in that intimate setting. Yeah. Yeah. We've walked with God for so long mm -hmm. that we've learned things along the way. And it's just good to be able to pass that along to mm -hmm. to other people, right? And yeah. share. Yeah, it's a, it's a family. We really enjoy each other. The the phrase around here that says "better together" that fits our group mm -hmm. like really big time. Yeah. When we lost our grandson Hugo, the, the love that we felt in our group and how they came together, and, and I lost my parents. Uh, Roger and mine lost their parents, and and. Kim lost her mother. There's, there's been a lot of loss. It's just been special how we can love each other. We're a family. In our faith growing, we were feeling that tension of like, we need to, we should probably serve more. Like we, we need to get more um, involved in our church. Like what does that look like? How can we take that next step for us? So if, if you're looking uh, to maybe take your next step, maybe the, maybe the step for you today is to join a community group. Uh, go to the Welcome Center and do that. There's probably somebody that's yeah. sitting around you today that is not in a community group that if you just ask them, they yeah. probably would join. You'll, you'll never know the way it can bless someone. So yep. ask people and they may be raised up to be community group leaders in yep. our church too. Yep. If you're not in a community group, please join one because you just won't regret oh, it. Yep. So in our community groups in our church, we've got eight different community groups, and the lights will come on, or they won't. It is fine. Okay, there we go. That's fine. Um, and we've got about 122 people in our groups, and they meet together, in, usually in homes or sometimes in the church building if, if they kind of have a more central area that works for them. Um, but it, it's, it's a valuable time because community groups are the training ground for us to follow Jesus in better ways. They're the training ground so that where we can, we can learn how to love each other so that when we're at work on a, on a Tuesday and it's three o'clock and we're just ready to be done, um, we won't, you know, 
treat someone the way we wouldn't want to treat them because we've been training on how to relate well to them because we have a community of faith around us who's supporting us. And, you know, we're going to have a group later that night. And so uh, we're going to be like, yeah, I messed up. And so we'll be encouraged, but you don't want to just have to admit that. So in other words, community group is, is practice. It's practice for when you're around other people and you need to love them well, just like Jesus called us to. In fact, in the scriptures, there are a number of one another commands because Jesus knows that in order for you to follow him, you must relate and love people well. And uh, the Greek word for these one another commands is alelon. Alelon. Um, anyone know... Or, all right, we're having some technical difficulties. That's fine. Uh, all alone, not all alone, because that would not be countered. Anyway, uh, things are falling off the rails. Um, so here's the scriptures I want to point you to. One another commands. Here they are. These are just the things that we're called to do as the church with each other and others. Okay? Uh, love one another. They're going to be on the screen, maybe. No. Yep, there they go. Love one another. Through love, serve one another. Tolerate one another in love. Be devoted to one another in love. Be at peace with one another. Don't grumble, grumble. Don't grumble among one another. Be of the same mind with one another. Accept one another. Wait for one another before beginning the Eucharist. Don't bite, devour, and consume one another. Don't boastfully challenge or envy one another. Gently, patiently tolerate one another. Isn't that good news that the scriptures give us permission to just simply for some people just tolerate them <laughs> i mean you got people in mind <laughs> i'll tolerate you in love okay uh be kind tender-hearted and forgiving to one another bear with and forgive one another seek good for one another and don't repay evil for evil don't complain against one another confess sins to one another give preference to one another in honor Regard one another as more important than yourselves. Serve one another. Wash one another's feet. That's fun. Don't be haughty. Be of the same mind. Be subject to one another. Clothe yourselves in humility toward one another. Do not judge one another and don't put a stumbling block in your brother's way. Bear one another's burdens. Speak truth to one another. Don't lie to one another. Comfort one another concerning the resurrection. Encourage and build up one another. Stimulate one another to love and good deeds. Pray for one another. Be hospitable to one another. Can you see the picture that this creates of a group of people who are doing that for each other? Because you're not just being the one loving, but you're the one also receiving love. You're not only the one practicing hospitality, but you're one who is receiving hospitality from them and being served and all of that. It's a beautiful picture of what the family of God is supposed to be like. And we believe that that's best practiced in smaller groups of people. And so that's why we do community groups. But anyone like going on a road trip? You're a road trip kind of person? Yeah, okay. Anyone just rather fly and get there and be done with it? Okay, that's cool. All right, well, here's the thing. Um, if you ever go on a trip, on a road trip, and you're not Forrest Gump, you know, I was running, um, you need a destination to where you're going. And you also need, like, a map to get there, a GPS. And, and unless you're Forrest Gump, you need a vehicle. Like, you need a vehicle to get there, right? Because we're, if we're going to go on a road trip, how many of y'all are driving? 
we're going to be driving, okay? Um, some of you maybe ride a motorcycle. I don't know. Moped? I don't know. Some of you are just not going to go on the road trip. That's fine. But just imagine you were to. Okay, is the, is the analogy. Discipleship as a journey. Um, the small groups, our community groups, are our relational environment. They're our vehicle for going on the journey of becoming more like Jesus. Uh, the Bible is our GPS. It's the one that tells us where to turn and, and how to get there. And our destination is becoming more like Christ, becoming more like Jesus. And what was Jesus like? He was perfectly loving. He was perfectly truthful. He was perfectly in community with people. And, and what did he do? He proclaimed the good news of his own kingdom. And so as we become more like Jesus, we become more loving to God and to others. We become more of a servant to others. And we are more bold in our faith to proclaim the good news to other people so that they can experience the hope that we have, and we believe that community groups are a perfect vehicle, not perfect, but, but a good vehicle, a biblical vehicle, a biblical model for us getting to that destination. Um, now, let me give you just a couple of like very particulars on how our community groups are designed. They're typically 10 to 15 um, people, uh, men and women, and they meet once a week between the months of September all the way to like the holiday season in November. And then again in January all the way to up to about June or late May. Uh, and then periodically, uh, depending on your group and how busy everyone is and all that, uh, probably will get together over the summer, ideally maybe uh, once or twice or something like that. Every group is a little bit different, um, and and that's what makes it beautiful and amazing. But also, so uh, they they do that, but we meet in usually in homes or sometimes, like I said, in uh, one of the buildings or one of the rooms in one of our buildings here on campus. Um, and, and what do we do when we do that? Well, we gather together, and if you're like, in our group, we, we have a meal because we like to eat, um, and then we open up the scriptures. We have a biblical discussion. Just we ask questions and that opens the door for us to share our wisdom and insights and experiences, ask more questions and be able to just kind of immerse ourselves, uh, dwell in the scriptures richly among us to dwell, make the word of Christ dwell richly among us. That's what we're trying to do in a community group. So we do that for a time and then uh, we teach this for our community groups to split men and women. We go to separate parts of the house or different rooms or whatever. And it's just a, a, a more intimate time for guys to share struggles that they're having with the other guys or, or ask for prayer or share victories and just be there to support each other, women to do the same. And then we pray for each other. And it's just, I mean, that's pretty much it. And then we, we just stay connected throughout the week. And, and this is your family. This is your group that if, when life happens, because life's going to happen. They're there to pray for you, to support you, to help you, um, to walk with you through the tough times, to celebrate with you in the good times. And, and you know, like just like any other group, there's going to be some who, who hit it off more deeply in friendship than others. But, but we're all there as brothers and sisters in Christ seeking to do all these one another things with each other, to love one another, serve one another, bear one another's burdens, and all the rest. I won't go through the list again. But here's the thing, we, we do this and we're so big on this because you are made for community. Like we're better together. You are made for community. God did not save you so that you would just be a, a Christian on your own. He saved you and adopted you into his family so that you could live among each other and, and be there to support each other. Now, how many of you uh, grew up with siblings? You got some brothers or sisters or a brother or sister? Um, how many of you of those, like, put your hand back up if 
you and your siblings always got along well. Oh, one in the back. Okay, that's cool. All right. Very cool. Um, well, that's probably going to be your experience in community groups, right? Not always going to see eye to eye. Uh, that's going to be your experience in God's family too. Not always going to see eye to eye. But uh, living in community doesn't necessarily make life easier, but it does make life better. And I promise you that. Now, just a word of caution as we get close to closing. There are some of the 122 people who are in community groups that they they might be on the roster of the group. They might even show up and attend, but they're not really in. They're not really a part of it because they don't really share anything. They don't really open their heart up. They're just there to listen. They're just there to observe. They're not really participating in it. And if that is you, then let me just encourage you to take a step in because it's just like anything else in life. You will get out what you put in. You will get out what you put in. If you are focused and you are saying, okay, this is my group that I'm going to love them. I'm going to serve them. I'm going to bear their burdens. I'm going to go to bat for them. I've got their back and I know they got mine. Then that's, it changes the way you experience your community group. But you're just like, ah, I don't know. Like I'll just go because they keep talking about it and I feel bad if I don't. That's, take a step. Step into it. So be a part of it if you're in it. And if you're not, then let me invite you, join a community group. It's worth it. If you, if you want to, then you can go to the Welcome Center, fill out a connection card. Or if you're like a very, very introvert or like this is just a bad day, you don't want to like talk to people, um, you can go to fccfamily.com and you can just click the community groups tab and you can sign up online and we'll get in touch with you there. But we will have to talk to you at some point, just so you know. Um, and for others of you, you've been in community groups, you're in it, you love it, and, and you're, you're grateful for that community. And maybe the Lord's calling you to take another step. And, and this is what I would invite you to, is to talk to your community group leader um, and, and say, hey, I think, I'm, I, think, I think I'm ready to just be trained as a leader. Because here's the thing, we have eight groups. Um, but and 122 people, but we've got many more adults than that, and many more teens than that. We could use some more leaders to step up so that we can make more room. Uh, as the early church did, the Lord added to their number every day, those who are being saved. Uh, when the Lord adds to our numbers, we want to be able to get them plugged in to community because you were made for a community. So we do need more leaders. And so, hey, if you are uh, thinking, you know what, I, I, could, I could ask the questions. I could, I could be someone who just, you know, hey, I'm the lead carer in my group. Um, and that's really what it comes down to. If you're willing to ask some questions and care, then, then you have what it takes to be a leader. Um, so talk to your group leader um, and, and they'll get you plugged in with Mike and, and get you trained. And when it's time, you can get, uh, get, to, get to start leading, get to learn, lead the, the discussions and all of that, uh, and it'll be good. So wherever you are, you are made for community and, and it does require a choice though. So I would just encourage you, choose community. Don't do life alone. It might work for a moment, but not for the long term. You need people. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for today. Thank you for your goodness and grace and that you had in your wisdom the foresight to see that we need each other. We need others in our lives. And I'm really grateful for that. Even when I'm not grateful for it, um, I'm grateful for it. Um, help us to be more grateful for it um, because a lot of us, we carry some stuff with us to relationships. 
Some of us, it takes us a while to open up. Some of us, it, it takes it uh, takes some time. And God, um, I'm grateful that you're patient with us in that. And I'm grateful that you you love us and care for us. And, and I'm also grateful that you you nudge us. Just like you call us to do for each other, you do for us. You spur us on to good works. God, help us um, to not, if, you, if you're stirring our hearts, God, um, if you're stirring someone's heart, God, please don't let them leave today without, without them responding to you in courage and, and in faith. Um, we love you, Jesus. We, we pray all this in your name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast by First Church of Christ in Bluffton, Indiana. For more information, visit FCCFamily.com.